This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome to the program. Welcome here once again. Elliot Friedman has a writing day, so he returns tomorrow. A couple of interesting games last night. The Los Angeles Kings all over the Maple Leafs. And really happy for Quentin Byfield, the Los Angeles Kings family, friends in attendance, two assists, first star for Quentin Byfield. York Simcoe Express, I'm looking your direction. And the uh, Vancouver Canucks ran all over the Nashville Predators last night. Uh, Quinn Hughes with three assists. Uh, Elias Pettersson with the hat trick. Uh, JT Miller with a second period benching. Uh, Thatcher Demko turns in a really good performance. That was a good win for the Vancouver Canucks. Or maybe was it? Um, There's an old saying around hockey. People don't really repeat this anymore because no one really does it. And it goes like this. Never critique a win, right? We've heard that one before. Never critique a win. Well, it seems as if the mantra in the NHL now is you don't let the highs become too high and the lows become too low. Coaches kind of now are always critiquing wins. Case in point last night. You know who didn't like that game last night? He may have liked the results and may have liked the two points and what it means for his team and their quest for the playoffs as the Calgary Flames seem to be surrendering a spot already. Rick Tockett, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, none too impressed at all last night about what happened. Want to play a couple of clips here from Rick Talk in a couple of seconds, but want to let you know, Haley Salvian stopping by here in a couple of moments. Eric Francis, bottom of the hour. I referenced the Calgary Flames. They are in, uh, maybe disarray is too strong. How about shambles? Uh, they're in a tough time right now. And uh, as we talked about yesterday, and Eric Francis has a piece about it uh, at sportsnet.ca, Craig Conroy, general manager of the Calgary Flames, has stopped, has halted, has ceased all contract negotiations, all extension negotiations are on pause right now while they reevaluate where they are and where they are headed and how they would like to get there. Eric Francis, bottom of this hour. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Yes, every Wednesday it is MVSW Redux. And Eric Stevens will talk about the suddenly hot Anaheim Ducks. Four wins in a row. What are we seeing from Anaheim? Well, tonight, make sure you stay up for this one, all you people uh, in the Eastern Conference. It is the Anaheim Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes, where once upon a time, you used to have to stay up late in the East to watch your Los Angeles-Anaheim games because they were, well, just to be blunt, the roughest in the league. That has now been replaced by Anaheim and Arizona. It is must-watch hockey TV. Back to Vancouver. Um, Rick Tockett, not impressed with his team's uh, output last night, not impressed with how they played. Here's the Vancouver Canucks coach, the sour Rick Tockett from last night. Rick, what do you take away from a game that was a bit scrambly at times? Maybe not your most clean game of the season, but you find a way to win nonetheless. Yeah, obviously we're happy to win. Obviously that's not our brand of hockey. It was, uh, you know, I thought we were pretty loose. Um, so, you know, you, you like to at least learn lessons when you, you win. You know, if you lose, it's a big learning lesson, but it is a big learning lesson when you win. So it's a little easier to for tomorrow for us to kind of dissect this and get back to our identity um yeah it was a loose game you know this too many turnovers too many people diving in um yeah it wasn't it wasn't a great game for us identity wise uh they did win uh, as we mentioned they picked up the two points um vancouver's played really well of late that game friday against the st louis blues that was a vancouver canucks clinic and i thought they deserved a better result saturday against the new york rangers um 
Hockett has called his team out publicly before. We think of the game against the Philadelphia Flyers. That was, uh, oh yeah, game three of the season. Uh, and last night, not being shy about how that wasn't their brand of hockey. Also, uh, Talkid commenting on a couple of individual performances last night. Have a listen. How about Elias and his performance tonight, obviously, with the hat trick? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was turning the puck over a lot, though. Uh, I, him getting three goals, I liked that part, but he was, he was one of the culprits of uh, turning the puck over. Um, we got to make sure that, uh, you know, he knows it. Um, by getting the three goals, obviously that power play goal helped us, but, you know, we're, you know he, we have too many guys returning the puck over tonight. <clears throat> about Thatcher keeping you guys in this one? You mentioned yeah. team not playing the way. What do you think of his performance? Yeah, he was great. <clears throat> you know, he, he, was, he was great tonight, as always. Gives us a chance to win. Uh, Niels Huglander looked like he got to jump up in the lineup as well, play with some different guys. What were you looking for there, I guess, in the second period, I think it was, kind of shifting around some forward lines? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. What the, uh, sometimes sometimes what happens is some guys are staying out or they're getting trapped. So two guys will go on and they'll stay out. So, you know, then I had to, you know, he probably got on a couple of times because somebody was out there too long. Ask you about JT Miller late in the second yeah. period. You sat him for about five minutes, including the power play, just... Just simple accountability, or take me through that decision. Yeah, it's, it, I love Millsy. I mean, he's been he's played un- unreal hockey for me. Um, I felt at the time for he needed to sit for four minutes. It could have been JT. It could have been anybody. And um, you know, accountability. And uh, he responds with a goal. And I think he, you know, he's fine. What was his reaction, especially in the intermission? And the what? During the intermission. Uh, he was good. He was fine. He came up to me and talked to me and, you know, apologized, and I apologized to him. You know, we went at it. I love the kid. I got no problems with JT Miller. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Rusty voice. I'll give you a sec. <clears throat> yeah. When you've got a guy who's going the way he has to start the year, playing the tough matchups, and, yeah. and you make a decision like that, you come back with him to open the third, is is that part of the message sent and received communication you're going for there? Oh, yeah, he deserves it, you know. He, you know, he deserves to play. He's 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 an emotional leader for this team, you know. It's, we're a quiet team, you know, and I think sometimes we all give him crap sometimes because he's got to draw the motion for a lot of our guys. And, um, you know, sometimes he's going to go over the edge and he got back and he's fine, Like like I said. Um, I have no problem with his emotions at all. Okay, um, make sure after your Vancouver Canucks games, you stick around to listen to Rick Tockett. Um, and a couple of things there. One, JT Miller was benched. That probably had to do with all the penalties uh, that had accrued leading up to his benching. And how about blasting <laughs> Elias, uh, Elias Pettersson for the uh, for the turnovers? Ah, he scored a hat-trick. Yeah, he turned the puck over a lot. Um, interesting win for the Vancouver Canucks last night. Interesting loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Interesting win for the Los Angeles Kings over those Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's get to Haley Salvian here and a couple of a couple of different things. Um, Haley Salvian, hockey commentator for Sportsnet, also from the Athletic, uh, as well. First of all, good afternoon, Haley. How are you? Hi, doing well. How are you? Do we have Haley aboard? We are standing by for Haley Salvian. So as we wait for Haley, Haley, you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? 
Oh, got you now. There we go. Very good. Haley, welcome aboard once again. Um, Hi. A couple of things. Did you get a chance to hear the Rick Tockett post-game press conference yesterday? Uh, maybe blasting is too strong, but saying, yeah, we picked up the two points, but really wasn't the way we wanted to play. And after Elias Pettersson got a hat-trick, the first thing Tockett pointed out was the turnovers. <laughs> Well, I was listening uh, as you played them. I, I stayed up and watched the game last night, but I didn't stay up to, to listen to the post game uh, or like read the stories last night. But it, it's funny because you hear what he's talking about and then you see the score. Like, I think if you didn't watch the game or you didn't know what the score was, you'd listen to those comments and be like, oh boy, what happened last night? And you go and see that they won five to two. And it's like, yeah. wait a second, what happened here? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I heard the comments. I think I think the Canucks are probably one of the more interesting teams in this kind of early phase this season dress. And I think it's last yeah. night's game and Rick Tockett's comments were um, kind of a great um, representation of that, right? This is a team that's 6-2-1 and one to start the season. It's, you know, one of the best starts they've had in a decade, maybe decades. I haven't done the full research back, but it's one of the best starts the Canucks have had in, in a really sure. long time. Um, but we're also in this phase of, trying to figure out like what they are is this a team that just had a really hot start or is this a promising start to what's going to be a really good season for the Vancouver Canucks like Thatcher Demko has been he was great last night he's been solid Quinn Hughes looks like he's on a mission to prove that he is in fact one of the best defenders in the league and he's in that class with Adam Fox and Kale McCarr uh Elias Pedersen is you know once again looking like uh, another guy who's going to score 40 goals again. Um, but is that going to be enough? Do they have more pieces there? I, there's so many really interesting questions with the Canucks, and I find Rick Tockett in this kind of early stage. I know we saw him last year, but we're seeing the accountability he's putting on his players. Yeah, Elias Pedersen had a hat trick last night, but he was turning the puck over a lot, and the two-week game was inconsistent last night. And if he's going to be their elite game-breaking number one center, you know, you can't have – as much inconsistency on inconsistency on the defensive side of the puck. And JT Miller's had a good start to yeah. the season, but he still got benched for four minutes, even though, you know, he's been good, but he had some bad penalties, a couple turnovers, a couple misplays. You got to sit down. So uh, talk, it's really implementing some, uh, you know, he's strict and I don't know. I feel like it's going to work. I, I feel optimistic. I, I don't, I haven't seen anything from the Canucks that would make me feel like it's going to fall apart, but. I don't want to curse it for fans who are listening. The the thing that I wonder about, though, with Vancouver, Haley, I think it's the thing that, that a lot of us wonder about here, and the start has been fantastic, and I don't think that Elias Pettersson is going to slow down. I don't think that mm-hmm. JT Miller is going to slow down. I certainly don't think that Quinn Hughes is going to slow down, and provided he stays healthy, there's no reason to believe that Thatcher Demko uh, is going to yeah. slow down. Like we may see some significant hardware at the end of the season yeah. for a lot of key players here, other than that. Uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. Well, but that's the thing, right? Like, it, it looks like a really yeah. top-heavy team. Like, Elias Patterson mm-hmm. is incredible. JT Miller's playing incredible. Brock, Brock Besser, yeah. throw him into the conversation, too. He's been incredible. Quinn Hughes is just, like, super elite, and the C looks great on him, et cetera, et cetera. Thatcher Demko. But then after that, we've talked about, you know, secondary scoring, depth scoring. What do the bottom six give you? Do they still need at least one more defender on this team? And I think the answer to all mm-hmm. those questions is... Yeah, like as much as Rick Tockett mm-hmm. wants to talk about, you know, this isn't this isn't our identity, I would come back with, well, this isn't the team yet. You know, I was right. on with Halford and Bruff this morning and making the point that, you know, like anything else in life, 
it exists in two states, potentiality and actuality. And Mm -hmm. to me, I look at the Vancouver Canucks and I say a lot of the heavy lifting is done here, but it's still in the potentiality phase. It's not in the actuality phase. So until you get there, when the Vancouver Canucks are a consistent performer in the playoffs every season, I think you're going to get, you know, more post-game pressers like this where even though they pick up a couple of points and then the the games that they don't, the coach is going to be, quite bluntly, Haley, sour about Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, and I think think to take the – and I totally agree with you because that's my kind of thought on this team as well as we're in this phase of trying to figure out is this just a hot start or is this team – you know, is this real? Is this team going to be this good through a full 82 games? We've seen, what, 10% of the season at this point, 88% of the yeah. season when you're talking about some teams. Um, but the thing that I think when you're taking an optimist view of the Vancouver Canucks is the 2022 Vancouver Canucks go into a game where they're not playing well and they're losing 5-2. to two. You know, like I think there is an optimist view of looking at yeah. this and saying, like, they weren't playing very well. Their breakout was was kind of sloppy their d zone coverage was inconsistent you know you've got guys getting benched uh and they're still good enough to win um so i think that is kind of a promising sign that this iteration of the vancouver canucks are that canucks at this point in their kind of progress or development coming from i don't know if you can really say there was a rebuild or retool whatever it may be um they're able to win a game in which they're not playing very good. And I don't think that's something we could say about the Canucks very consistently over the last few years. Yeah, that's that's a great point, too. The great teams are able to surf on skill. You can't always do mm-hmm. it, but great teams can surf on skill. And I, I think that, you know, considering what we just saw with Vancouver against St. Louis on Friday and the Rangers on Saturday as well, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, one of Talkett's points here is uh, it's fine. You can surf on skill and get a win, and that's wonderful, but yeah. we don't want that to be the uh, uh, to be the right. default setting here for this team. Okay, so yeah. there's the Vancouver Canucks. Can I ask Canucks. you a question, Jeff? Man, Can the... I ask you a question about the Canucks? Yes, yeah, sh- yeah of course. Sure, I'm sure. Just, I'm just no, taking the it. steering wheel on you. I apologize. Uh, just given the way <laughs> Pacific has been looking, right, the starts that Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle are having, like – Does that not make you feel better about Vancouver? And when we talk about the top-heavy team, like which middle six or bottom six would you rather have? Is it Vancouver? Is it Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle? Like that's kind of interesting to me, as top-heavy as they are. Like, is there are their yeah. best players better than the depths on the teams that are also that are struggling in that division? That's what makes them intriguing to me. uh, I think. Uh, it, it does. I think ultimately everything settles with Edmonton. I think as far as it being a, a constructed r- roster, I think that they have. I mean, listen, we all know that Ken Holland's going to do something this year um, to try to push the uh, the Oilers over the hump. It sounds like the Calgary Flames may be in uh, in case of emergency break glass mode. Uh, right now, but uh, I think Vancouver start is certainly impressive. But one of the things that I come back to is you know the old Elaine Vigneault line, which is. Uh, hockey is very simple. If your goaltender is better than my goaltender, you win. Uh, but if my goaltender is better than your goaltender, I win. And right now, mm-hmm. Thatcher Demko has been outstanding for the Vancouver Canucks. And provided he stays healthy, they're going to be in every game. And they have game breakers like Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and JT Miller. So um, I, I, I don't want to... It's weird because, you know, we're starting to, to get into like, okay, you get into November, now you start to audit what yeah. you've seen so far. 
but it's so hard with depth just to do it based mm -hmm. on not even a complete month's worth of work. You know what I mean, Haley? So I, I sort yeah. of reserve judgment on a lot of the a lot of the depth questions until you see it for uh, until you see it for a a, a couple of more months. than two weeks. Um, <laughs> let me more more than a couple of weeks, but but right yeah. away with Vancouver, it, I mean it it is a flag and it, and it is an issue. Um, let me ask you about the other Canadian team that we saw in action last night, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were not in the game at all. Like, were there any stretches of that 60-minute loss to the Los Angeles Kings where you said, you know what, the Maple Leafs are in this one? Because I didn't see it at all. <laughs> I saw messy five-on-five. Five, I saw sloppy power play. Uh, I saw some, actually, I saw some really good play from Liam Nylander. This is a recording. Yeah. He's had that kind of season so far. <laughs> what did you see last night from Toronto? Well, Jeff, I can tell you, I went to go visit my parents. We had dinner last night. I hadn't been home for a little while. And I can tell you that by the yeah. midpoint of the first period, you know, Frank Salvian's recliner is all the way back and he's asleep. <laughs> the 8 o'clock puck drop, <laughs> the game after a long road trip, the scheduled loss was primed for my father to fall asleep before yeah. the first period was even over. It was it was uh, very emblematic of the game I think they were playing. It was, it, was, uh, it was a stinker. It was a lot of the Kings in the Ozone, a lot of the Leafs defending. Like, I think if you had to pick a player who played well last night, William Nylander was the only one who really popped. In the sense, at least in the first yeah. period, in the second, you know, he, you could see that he was trying to to make things happen. I mean, he's been incredible this season. He's just uh, got that pop in his game, the way he can separate from defenders. At one point, he, like, curled away from two guys who were on him and created space and, and got a shot off. Uh, he's so great at finding seams and, and creating space for himself and his linemates. So he's continued to be really solid, but... In terms of, of the team overall, you know, I think it was maybe a little bit predictable that they're coming off that big road trip first game at home. Uh, sure, you could think it's a scheduled loss, but I, I feel like they spent a lot of time defending against the Kings at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, it was five minutes of ozone possession for the Kings at 5-on-5 five five and around three and a half for Toronto. Um, so it's a lot of time to defend mm -hmm. and not much by way of offense. No one was really generating anything. We saw the lines kind of shuffle a little bit. Um, but I think we also have to kind of give credit to that Kings team as well. I mean, that's <clears throat> they're not a bunch of scrubs. I know they've had some issues. I think their biggest issues have maybe been when it comes to, to goaltending and just keeping the puck out of their own net. But that's like a big, heavy hockey team. They can skate. I mean, Kopitar is still matching up like he does against the least top players. Like, he's not, you know, sure, he's getting older, but that's still one of the elite defensive players in the game, and, and he did pretty well against Austin Matthews last night. Um, they've got guys who can shoot the puck. Obviously, mm -hmm. they scored uh, really well last night. The fourth line for the Leafs continues to be an issue. Like, they, they played, what, seven minutes maybe? I think Ryan Reeves played seven minutes last night. So um, lots yeah. of things popped up last night. I'm not really at a place where... <clears throat> I want to say, wow, I'm worried about the Leafs team or should we be concerned about the Leafs? I think, you know, sometimes, a, you know, a snooze fest, bad loss can just be that. Um, I think there were maybe some things that came up in that game that could be more long-term concerns. Like, what is John Klingberg at this point? Um, I don't want to rush to a conclusion based on... 10 games, yeah. but we also saw him last season, and I think at this point, until he can prove otherwise, he's, you know, a 6-7-D and a second power play guy, and we saw him get bumped back to the second power play. Um, 
But in terms of last night, yeah, I think there's a couple little things that you could say might be long-term issues, but last night was just a stinker. Again, my dad fell asleep. He didn't wake up all night. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the Frank audit on the game last night, uh, snoozing in the recliner. Real quick, uh, probably not enough time to do this, but can, can you do a hot 45 seconds on where the oh, – I mean, you covered the Calgary Flames for so long. Can you do a hot 45 seconds on where you see the Flames <laughs> right now? All contract negotiations have been paused. Yeah. I'm not giving you enough time. I know I'm a bad host. Hot 45 on the Flames, Haley Salvian. It's my fault. I ramble all the time. I think this is a team where we're again talking about a team that's at an inflection point after we talked about that last year and the year before that. Um, you, you get rid of Daryl Sutter uh, and you're le- and you get rid of Daryl Sutter, you get rid of Tyler Toffoli and you're left with a team that still can't, cor- still can't score and still isn't winning. Uh, I don't know. I feel like at, at this point, if you're a Flames fan, you really just hope this inflection point finally means they're going to move some pieces out and retool this in a real way because it's not working. That's what it sounds like. Um, Haley, you're great. Always appreciate it. Um, love the check-ins with your dad and how good the game <laughs> is based on whether he's snoozing or whether he's upright and watching the game and leaning forward. Yeah. Thanks, as always. You uh, yeah. Take care, and we will touch base next week. Yeah, you didn't stand a chance. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Haley Salvian, uh, sports and hockey commentator, also writes for The Athletic as we bring aboard Matt Marchese. So here's my question. I'm going to get into this with Eric Francis at the bottom of the hour as well. Um, we know that the Calgary Flames, after that playoff series, I know I make a lot about that playoff series, but for good reason. Mm-hmm. After the playoff series against the Oilers two years ago, they were not the same team last season. Nobody on that team or in that organization was the same <coughs> Excuse me. after that loss at the hands of the Edmonton Oilers. And then, after the Heritage Classic... All of a sudden, it's pause contract negotiations. Uh, have a look at what we have under the hood here. Take stock. Uh, we may have to chart a new course here for the Calgary Flames. Um, did the Oilers break the Flames twice? Oh, once in the playoffs <laughs> and once at the Heritage Classic? What's I mean, going on here? Yeah, there's some, well, there's something about losing to uh, a rival, and a rival that is as fierce as the Oilers have been for the Flames over the course of their entire existence. And so, I mean... But the, I, hang on, hang on. The, devil, the Devils didn't break the Rangers. Rangers have come out of the gate this year. Like They just lost to the Devils in the playoffs and in the seven-game highly contested series. But they're fine the very next season. Flames just sort of evaporated. Yeah. And it's getting worse. Yeah, well, that's, they were doused, I guess. Um, yeah, I just... I mean, they might have. I, I just think that especially, not that front offices, you know, their mandate is whatever they do is because of the the fans, but I feel like it is just so much worse and so much more under the microscope when you lose in a big moment to a rival like that. I think that's part of the equation here. As much as the front office probably doesn't want to admit that, I think there was a lot of pressure put on at that point. And when you... I, I think it's also a coincidence that it was the Oilers in a way because the Flames hadn't been playing well up until that point. And now they're looking at it going, okay, we've got a, a little bit of a sample size here. What exactly are we planning to do? Let's hold off on everything, see where things go, and then we can make a decision. So I think it's a bit of both. I think there was pressure, uh, like external pressure, because the fan base is obviously not happy, but it's also like the timing of it is also quite interesting too. There's a couple of things I want to go over here with you before Eric Francis comes on, but you have some audio you want to play. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, do we have that? Do what we do have got? the. the uh, uh, it's a surprise. How about that? It's Pat Maroon. So here we go. 
Hodge. Okay. Oh, I saw this. It's so good. Like he call, he gets called fat and he goes, buddy, we're in the same league. What does that say about you? We're, we're in the, the same, same league. league. <laughs> it's so good. I love Pat. It's Maroon. gotta be. It's, you know, it's interesting because it, it's gotta be difficult to chirp Pat Maroon yep. because guy's got three Stanley cups. Guy's got three Stanley cup rings. Like it's gotta be really challenging to stick it to Pat Maroon. But not no? only that, Jeff, not only that, Pat Maroon is very self-aware. And that is one of the hardest things is when someone <laughs> is self-aware and someone makes fun of themselves. It is yeah. like that. It's it's like the comic that has the 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 self-deprecating humor. Um, how do you make fun of somebody that makes fun of themselves? It's like, well, I already know that I'm here. All right. So I'm already at the bottom yeah, of the barrel. No, you can't yeah. you can't dig the hole any deeper than where I am. Uh Pat Maroon's a beauty. That's what I know. And he's got seven points in nine games. Pretty sure he has the same amount of points as Nathan McKinnon and Matthew Kachuk at this point. So, yeah, chirp him all you want. Three cups, <laughs> and he doesn't care. Okay, you know what? So, I don't know about you, but, and maybe the obvious answer is, well, no, dummy, because you're older than me. <laughs> Felt really old yesterday for one very specific reason. <sighs> Paul Stastny retired. Yeah. I get that. Okay, so... And you can say to yourself, well, okay, so what's the big deal? Players retire all the time. Because he watched what his father makes, retire what's so too. special about this one? Because <laughs> I watched like his dad's, in, like I can still remember my father before the 1976 Canada Cup. This is when, you know, hockey players coming from uh, the then Czechoslovakia or Soviet Union or Sweden, Finland for that matter as well, were really unknowns, right? There wasn't a lot of these players in the, uh, in, in the NHL. And I can remember my dad uh, talking to me about the Czechoslovakian team and ended up being Canada and Czechoslovakia in the final and telling me about, you know, Vladimir Zarilla, uh, the legendary netminder who was also a refrigerator repairman <laughs> during the day and a superhero netminder at night. And he told me about the Stastny family as well. So I sort of knew them by way of myth before uh, I saw any of them play in North America. And Peter Stastny was one of my favorite players specifically. Um, so I saw Paul Stastny play and retire, and I saw his father and uncles play and retire as well. Um, Peter Stastny, I still don't think, gets gets the acclaim he deserves. If you look at the 1980s, Maddie, I think you and I have talked about this mm -hmm. before. If you look at the 1980s, like the high-flying 80s, the high-scoring 80s where every game was 9-8 and 10-7 like huge like big premium on offense here the number one leading scorer in the 1980s was of course Wayne Gretzky Peter Stastny was number two yep it's Peter crazy Stastny is one of the best players the game has ever seen but when we talk about all the heavyweight centers from sort of that era and into the 90s we talk about Wayne and we talk about Mario and Iserman and Howard Chuck like all for good reason Messier go right down the list but how long does it take until you get to Peter Stastny? And Peter Stastny was number two in the 80s. Yeah. It's only it, trailing Wayne Gretzky. It's it's funny that you say that because what do the other guys all have in common that you and, and and honestly, we don't talk about Dale Howarchuk enough in that vein either. And the the problem is True. is with both of those guys is they do not have the same type of playoff success as Gretzky and Lemieux and Messier and 
Iserman. They don't have that. Now, Iserman's didn't come until later in his career, but those other two guys didn't have any of that. They didn't have Stanley Cup rings. They didn't, you know, they they didn't really get close. Like, all of those conversations. So, I think, I think that's part yeah. of it. And honestly, that bugs me because... It's one player is not going to win you a Stanley Cup. And so it's not their fault that they weren't on those powerhouse Oilers teams or with the the Pittsburgh Penguins with Yarmir Yager and Ron Francis. And, you know, go down the list of of all those guys and the teams they played on. Um, That's where I think those guys kind of get lost in history. So I, I feel bad for both of them because they were great. They're, again, like you said, among the best players we've ever seen. And I don't think that they get their due. Ever seen. Well, you know, it's for, for that point, because over my right shoulder here, if you're watching on Sportsnet 360, I've got an autograph frame picture of Gilles Malosh, who I always maintained. If he would have played on, you know, during his time, the Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, the New York Islanders, um, take your pick, any of those Philadelphia Flyers, any of those heavyweight teams from his era, we would be talking about him as being one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Instead, he played on the Seals and the Barons and a bad Minnesota North Stars team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyhow, uh, one final thing here before we go to break. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom uh, is taking time away from the game. Here's his quote today. This is a real drag. Man, is he a good player or was a good player? Uh, Feels bad saying that. Quote, given my ongoing injury situation, I decided to take some time and step away from the game. This is a difficult decision, but one that I feel is right for my health at this time. I want to thank my teammates, the organization, and fans <clears throat> Excuse me, and fans for their unwavering support through this process. I ask for privacy at this time as I determine my next steps and viable options moving forward. He was from the 2006 draft. And of all those players in that draft, who's number one as far as point production goes? And that's a draft that had Claude Giroux and Phil Kessel and Jonathan Taves and Brad Marchand. It's Nicholas Backstrom. 1,105 games played, 1,033 points. Uh, we hope that he is okay. He is you know, another player from that 2006 draft to, to, to walk away from the game and take stock and reevaluate. Jonathan Taves, of course, being the other one here. Um, we hope that ultimately he is all right. He will go on long-term injury for the Washington Capitals, and that will, Maddie, open up the Washington Capitals to do some other business. I'm going to talk to Eric Francis here in a couple of moments about the Calgary Flames. And if Backstrom's not playing, do you know if the Calgary Flames have any centers that might be available? Matt Marchese? Oh, I, ca- I couldn't. coming to mind. I Maybe couldn't think can... of one. I could not think of one. <laughs> Maybe you can help me with that one, Maddie. Is his name, is it start, uh, is it sound, uh, is it start with an Elias and end yeah. with an end home? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It was traded, big trade with the Carolina Hurricanes once upon a time, still hasn't signed a contract and is on an expiring deal. Uh, quick thought on Nicholas Backstrom before we give way to Eric Francis. Yeah, I, one of the best pure passers that we've seen over the last 30 years. He was incredible. Um, didn't score a ton of goals, but man, could he set up Alex Ovechkin pretty nicely. Um, is he a Hall of Famer yeah. for you? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, he hasn't even retired yet, and we're already having the Izzy Hall of Famer question. Well, he's got the numbers. I don't know. That's, that's one that I don't want to – I don't want to give you a flippant answer. I know, like, usually a 1,000 of both, like, games played and And, and, and international success. Barriers to entry. International success as well. Um, 
I don't want to give a, a knee. I've done. I've been guilty of doing this too often, giving a knee-jerk reaction to the Hall of Fame question without actually doing any research for it, uh, and that turns into an open mouth insert uh, foot moment for me. So, sure. it's a good question. Like it's easy to say, like Joe Thornton retires, like Psh, Joe Thornton, like yeah, duh. Um, just you know, just open the door and, and Joe Thornton's going in. Uh, let me think more about Nicholas sure. Backstrom here. Why does, does he go in for you? Yep. Stanley Cup champion, international success, over a thousand points, um, and was one of the best. He was one of the best passers that we've seen. And for me, I mean, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty darn good. Pretty, pretty good. All right, we'll hit a break there. We'll get on the Calgary Flames page here in a couple of seconds. Eric Francis stops by. Uh, as we talked about yesterday, and Eric has a piece at sportsnet.ca, uh, the Calgary Flames have halted negotiations for uh, contract extensions for their impending unrestricted free agents. Uh, what does that mean? What is next? Uh, what is most immediate is a game against the Dallas Stars. Um, but Eric Francis gives us the uh, the long view here of the Calgary Flames um, post heritage classic. What does all this mean for the team in Calgary? Also coming up in hour two, Greg Wyshynski for MVSW. Eric Stevens uh, talks to us about the suddenly red hot Greg Cronin leading the charge and getting chucked out of games. Anaheim Ducks. Eric Francis next. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so we have some breaking news to share with you. Welcome back to the program. Eric Francis uh, from Sportsnet.ca standing by here in a couple of moments to talk about the Calgary Flames and a great piece that he penned yesterday. Who pens pieces anymore? Did he type yesterday? Uh, the NHL announcing the Ottawa Senators will forfeit a first-round draft pick. Boom! Wow! For their role in the July 2021 trade of player Yevgeny Dodonov from the Senators to the Vegas Golden Knights and subsequent invalidated March 22, Dodonov trade between the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. Ottawa will forfeit its first-round pick in one of the 2024, 2025, or 2026 drafts. The determination as to which pick will be forfeited will be made by Ottawa within 24 hours of the conclusion of the draft lottery for that year. The league will have no further comment on the matter. But we will. Uh, Eric Francis joins me here uh, from Sportsnet.ca. He's supposed to be talking initially here about the Calgary Flames, but if you have a thought on the Dodonov situation here and the the punishment for this, which is a first-round draft pick, which is an absolute whopper of a punishment. Hey, Michael and Lauer, thanks, to the, thanks for the $900 million for the team. Uh, now you're going to surrender a first-round draft pick uh, for an indiscretion that happened before you bought the squad. What do you think about that one, Eric Francis? Yeah, that's harsh. I, I heard you and Elliot talking about it on your latest this podcast you know and I, I think the the belief was well they wouldn't really do that to a new owner would they the first round draft pick but that's wow that's pretty harsh and you know it does speak to the fact that you know like there's there's a cause and effect to everything that you do and when you make a mistake like that you know it really affected uh the golden knights and the you know and the golden knights were the ones who you know kind of i'm not going to say they pursued this but i i think they wanted this cleared up too so i i 
Uh, it's did. harsh. They, no yes. question about it. But, yes. but you know, kind of like the – I'm not trying to connect dots here, but kind of like the Rasmus Anderson thing, when he was trying in, in vain to, to get his suspension reduced from four games to three, you know, the commissioner said, I, I can't take into account the fact that the fourth game happens to be the outdoor game. Like, the punishment is the punishment no matter, you know, what the situation is. And in this, it's the same sort of thing in this case. Just because you have a new owner, I'm not going to go a little easier on you. Uh, although I think people in Ottawa were certainly hoping they would. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder now, and I think we all do, uh, what happens with Pierre Dorian, uh, general manager of the Ottawa Senators, now that this has been levied. This one is a bomb and will not sit well, obviously. Uh, with Michael Andlauer, new owner of the Ottawa Senators. Um, if you just missed the news, the Senators have been dinged a first-round draft pick for their part of the Evgeny Dodonov situation. So just so our listeners are aware, we'll, we'll get right to Calgary here, Eric. Um, when the initial trade was made, Ottawa to Vegas, um, Vegas tried to move Dodonov to Anaheim afterwards. Dodonov's camp said that he had a, uh, that, uh, that Anaheim was on his no-trade list. Uh, Vegas maintained that he did not submit one. Um, the Dodonov camp said that they did with Ottawa. Uh, Vegas was not made aware of that, uh, and the trade was uh, ruled invalid between Vegas and Anaheim. And I think that through all of this, one of the main things that Vegas wants is they want their name cleared in all of this, that they don't want to be uh, associated or be seen as a guilty party uh, in this deal. Um, did they pursue it? How aggressive were they with it? We can only speculate, but I don't think, to your point, Eric, I, I don't think it would surprise anybody here. Ottawa out of first-round pick either this year, next year, or in 2026. Okay, so that's the uh, the drama with one Canadian team. Uh, the other Canadian team, and it seems like there's drama with so many of them, the Calgary Flames. Excellent piece yesterday uh, that went up pretty much almost as, as soon as we went off the air yesterday. We are talking about it with Elliot a, a little bit before uh, you put it up on sportsnet.ca. The Calgary Flames ceasing all conversations about contract extensions, trying to take inventory, a look under the hood, where are we at and what do we need to do next so not so much how did we get here eric but more where are we and where are we going with this story well i I don't think they know i I think everybody in calgary is concerned and and thinks they know where it's going and that's not the direction anybody wanted it to go I, i if this team continues to play the way it's played the first nine games of the season uh, I think in short order, you're going to see this organization do a bit of a 180 in terms of how they go about their business. I mean, you know, Elliot was the one who reported about a week ago that that the, the deal was close, close with Noah Hannafin. And since then, the Flames have uh, lost five in a row. And I think everybody in the organization has uh, decided to just kind of pause right now and say, wait a second, why are we, why are we talking about signing core pieces to long-term contracts when the core has not got the job done here in Calgary. And uh, that goes for Elias Lindholm. That goes for Noah Hannafin. And to a lesser extent, Chris mm-hmm. Tanev and Nikita Zadorov. And, and, hey, if the Calgary players want to, you know, have a bit of a garage sale here, they could get rid of all those guys and, and uh, get varying, you know, returns for them, depending on how they decide to play their cards. But, uh, you know, it's a significant change in uh in attitude this this team just thought last year was anomaly an anomaly (laughs) and uh and they were going to get back on track and everybody who had a bad year was going to bounce back and it's just the same old and the players are answering the same questions 
and they have the same issue, different issues. They got goaltending this year, but now they can't score goals. So it's just been a, a comedy yeah. of errors. And, and now this morning we find out Dylan Dubé won't play tonight. He's clearly banged up in some yeah. way. So it just, the news just keeps getting worse for the Flames. You know, your point about Markstrom is, uh, I mean, is a great one because how many times have we seen the Calgary Flames already this season squander good performances by Jacob Markstrom? We were all crossing our fingers mm-hmm. and, and hoping for a bounce back uh, for the goaltender. Now the problem is elsewhere. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Eric, I can't help but thinking, and I know everybody right away tried to, you know, come out and massage uh, the statement that was made, but I keep going back to that Nikita Zadorov. Um, interview from 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 last week, and I know again it all got massaged, and there was some lipstick put on it and made to not sound or look like what it was. But Nikita Zdorov spoke the truth, didn't he? Yeah, and he's become uh, extremely popular in the city for doing so. Not just then, but uh, you know, every time he's spoken this year, it's been with uh, some significant uh, truth to it. Now. He since yeah. tried to clarify, I wasn't throwing anyone under the bus in terms of saying, I'm just saying that we're all not pulling on the same, we're all not pulling in the same direction. But I think, you know, the comment more to the point that had everybody going was, look, yeah. we can't blame this on Sutter anymore. That was the obvious one last year that everybody, you know, fell back on. Now it's on us and we're not getting the job done. And, uh, and, and that's, the, that's the fact. You know, there was a lot of people in this city, uh, especially those who don't really know, you know, the dynamics of the room and what's going on that were still Daryl Sutter fans. Um, and and they were, they're the ones who are, who are walking around now and, and all summer long saying, okay, well, you got what you wanted. Now this is on you. And, uh, you know, th- those same people now are saying, well, it turns out it wasn't the coach, was it? It was you guys. So it's a, it's a bit of a calamity right now. You know, the, um, the Oilers, the, the, the series against the Oilers was one thing. Um, and a lot of eyeballs on that, and it's the Battle of Alberta, and it's you know the, the the biggest games on the calendar for both of those teams. And then there was the Heritage Classic uh, on Sunday, eyeballs on that one. You know the schedule maker keeping it clear, everyone's watching that game. Um, it, I don't think that it's lost on many that the two times that really seemed to snap the Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers were involved as well. How much stock do you put into that statement? Yeah, there's. There's something to it. I mean, I'm not sure this time around. I mean, their last Sunday, sure, it was in the national spotlight, and and, and, and it sure brings a whole lot more attention to it. But, yeah, the, the one in the playoffs a couple of years ago really was a turning point for this franchise significantly. I mean, I think a lot of people were excited that with that first battle of Alberta in, what was it, 31 years or whatever, you know, like, something like that in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. And, and it, everyone was so excited because it looked like both teams were now starting to build towards prominence. And obviously, you know, one did so. And from that turning point on, the other, literally from the time the Calgary Flames lost to the Oilers, those four straight games in that series, uh, things have just fallen apart here in Calgary. They lost Goudreau. They lost Kachuk. Uh, they missed out on the playoffs last year. Now it looks like they may be on the verge of a fire sale. It's a, uh, it's, uh, I know people at Edmonton take great solace in seeing that they've inflicted significant pain on their neighbors to the south. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Kachuk, the Kachuk, again, here we are still, how many uh, months later, still talking about the, the Matthew Kachuk situation. But it seemed as if, you know, that was that one moment where things, like when we look back on it and, and do the autopsy, okay, where did it really go wrong and what really harmed uh, the Calgary Flames? Like, what was a controlled fire and what was a volcano? 
you know, Matthew Kachuk, as you well know, you're there, you know better than me, was widely considered by many to be, after Mark Giordano uh, was done with the Flames, he was going to be the next captain. And mm-hmm. that was going to be the plan. And they were grooming the next captain here. And then the way that that all unraveled, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is another one. You lose two-thirds of the best line in the NHL. You know, many will look at that and say, well, of course, it didn't matter who you brought in. You know, Huberto, um, Nazem Kadri, the ghost of Jean Beliveau. I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> it, it's not going to work when you lose two players like that, specifically someone who's probably going to be your your next captain. And as it turns out, has revealed himself to be one of the best players in the NHL period. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I always thought he was one of the, not always, but I always thought he was destined to be one of the better, you know, certainly one of the most impactful players in the National Hockey League. That's probably the best way to put it because I don't think there's anyone in the National Hockey League who can impact a game in, in as many different ways as Matthew Kachuk can with his with his passing yep. ability, with his finishing ability, with his with his mouth, <laughs> with his with his hitting. I mean, nobody's got that toolbox yeah. that he has. So I, you knew that you were losing out on a guy. He was also a hell of a leader, too. And you're right, he would have worn the, the yeah. CFU to stayed in Calgary. So, yeah, you, know, you don't replace a guy like that. But, but isn't it interesting, Jeff, that, and I'm sure you had it on your show, too, the debate like in Calgary was, actually, now that they've got Huberto and Kadri and Uyghur replacing Gaudreau and Kachuk, yeah. Are the Calgary Flames actually better? That was a debate being had yep. in every bar in this city, and and I, yes. I, would, I dare say half the people thought it was they may be better, half didn't. But obviously, uh, obviously they're not. And those two players were such impactful players that uh, they're missed dearly. And it doesn't help when the players that you've acquired. Uh, I'll give Uyghur a pass, but the other two, they 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 it's been abysmal since they've arrived in Calgary. Absolutely abysmal. Well, and that's just the thing too. And listen, Calgary Flames fans are highly intelligent, and they can see a, they can see through lackluster performances. And I can only imagine what you know, what they're going through right now with uh, with Jonathan Huberto and, and Nazem Kadri. But you're right. Like you look at, if you look at that trade, I mean, the conversation sort of went like this. Okay, Johnny Gaudreau, one of the elite playmakers in the game, lost him, but they've brought back someone who's another elite playmaker. Uh, one of the great passers in Jonathan Huberto, uh, coming off a hundred and was a fifteen point season. Hundred and fifteen, yeah. The Panthers, maybe, yeah, maybe that washes. And yeah, we lost something with with Matthew Kachuk. Certainly uh, on the tough side as well, the nasty side. Maybe some of that is replaced with Nassim Kadri, uh, and he's also a skilled player. And getting Mackenzie Weger in the deal because Brad for living when he makes deals, he grabs defensemen. Well, that <laughs> just seems like a bonus. Maybe the Calgary Flames are gonna come out on top, but. It it seemed like it seemed like almost a bad fit from the get go. I know maybe the first year with the new team is sort of grace period uh, for a lot of players. I don't necessarily think like that, but I sort of understand it, I suppose. But now with those two players that we just mentioned, Huberto and, and Kadri, these are locked in at big ticket long term. I don't want to say ironclad because we've seen teams escape from contracts before, but these are tough deals. Like these are really, really tough deals for the Calgary Flames right now. They're crippling. They're absolutely crippling for this organization because even if, even if management listened to the masses here, which are just screaming for a tear down, you know, from just tear down to the studs, you, you, you really can't. I guess you can't. You never say never because we've seen contracts in the NHL over the years that people thought, well, that's completely unmovable ever. 
Well, if you sweeten the yeah. pot enough, you can trade any contract in the National Hockey League. So, and and maybe that's what they've got to look at because they're they're incredible albatrosses. Those guys are making seventeen and a half million dollars between the two of them, Huberto and Kadri. Right now, they're minus twenty one combined, three goals, four assists combined. Uh, you know, it's Kadri it, has one goal, and and there's just no signs of life with either one of them. I'm not saying it, the effort's not there. It's just they just can't seem to find chemistry with anybody or find that spark yeah. on the ice. They're invisible. And these are these are former stars in the National Hockey League who are now completely invisible yep. on a nightly basis. And and I don't say that to 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 to, to throw dirt on their on their grave. I I just say that because I think it's just got to be so hard for both of them. And it's groundhog day right now. We ask them the same questions every day. They have to come up with some sort yeah, of answers or something it. that they don't have answers for. It's and it's just it's it's so hard, and you you wonder if they decide to pivot, say, ten games from now. If they're twenty games in and they, it, their season's basically lost, you wonder how much effort they put into maybe trying to get get those guys somewhere else. Like surely Colorado would consider taking Nazem Kadri back. He was such an incredible fit there, and they really miss him there. If you sweeten the pot enough, would he, would they take him back? Well, I don't know at that price tag. How much would you have to defray yeah, that cost? Term. And I don't know about Huber though. That's, that's uh, eight that, that, years. Yeah, I don't know. At, at 10.5. We're, we're, we're up against it. Uh, Eric, thanks as always. Direct people to sportsnet.ca to read your excellent piece that was published yesterday. Thanks as always, pal. Cheers, my man. We'll talk soon. In, uh, in happier news, the Stars face off against the Calgary Flames later on tonight. And time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local Matt Marchese, you got your pick of a few games tonight. What are you eyeballing? I got Sabres at Flyers. Uh, puck line is Flyers. 75 final. <laughs> yeah. the bat- What was that? The Fog Bowl and the bat game that you reminded me of this morning. Jim uh, Lorenz. <laughs> Jim Lorenz. That's uh, right. Uh, here's, here's your favorite weird stat, or two of them. Sabres are 17 and 36 okay. in their last 53 Wednesday games. The Flyers are 2-12 and 12 in their last 14 <laughs> Wednesday games. Nobody wants to win tonight. Uh, Sabres are 6-2 and two in the last 8 meetings between uh, these two. The over is 28-9-2 in the last 39 meetings in Philadelphia. Okay, a couple of things to pay attention to. Uh, Morgan Frost, uh, who returned against the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, finally after signing that two-year contract extension uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. I have another peek at him. Philly, by the way, has lost three of their last four. Uh, Monday, they lose 3-2 to the Carolina Hurricanes. That was a squeaker. Buffalo, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the goaltenders this week. I would imagine Ukapekalukanen plays tonight, and then these two teams will play again on Friday. I would wonder if Devin Levi gets the start in that one. Lukanen coming off that shutout, 4-0 against the mighty Colorado Avalanche on Monday. Should be a good one tonight. Whenever I think about the Flyers and the Sabres, is it just me or do you always think about that Brian Campbell, R.J. Umberger hit? Oh, yeah. Or the 75 Stanley Cup Final. That's Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN kicks off Hour 2. That's next across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Lucas Dostal. 
of the Anaheim Ducks. Leading rookie goaltenders with four wins and five appearances has been named the NHL's Rookie of the Month. A goalie enters the Calder chat. Lucas Dostal of the Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim has been quite a story to kick off this season. You know who knows that? Eric Stevens uh, from The Athletic, uh, covering off the Anaheim Ducks, the Los Angeles Kings, and all things hockey. Eric, how are you? Thanks for, for putting up with me getting to you late. Wyshynski was blah, 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 blah. So so blame him, Eric. <laughs> no, hey, listen, I always appreciate it, Jeff. always appreciate the invite. Well, it's uh, it's good to have you aboard. Just uh, real quick, uh, a quick thought on Lucas Dostal here entering the uh, entering the Calder Trophy conversation early in the season. I know we're making a whole bunch about Connor Bedard and Adam Fentilli and Luke Hughes, but here comes Lucas Dostal as the Rookie of the Month in the NHL. You know what, uh, Jeff? I, I I think you're on it in terms of you know bringing him into the conversation because. Uh, he, he's been stellar thus far uh, in the appearances that he's made. And I, and I really thought that coming into this season, um, this could be one to where he would, you know, maybe push John Gibbs, Gibson for more starts and more action, um, you know. But you know how it goes, too. You know, you, you've got a brand-new coach. Um, you, you know, you, you, yep. so, you know, so, so you've got a you know, new person to, you know, make, making an impression on. And... Uh, you know, once once you get the momentum, once once you get a couple of you know great you know starts behind you, a couple of wins, you know that keeps tends to keep rolling, and and that coach is going to have more and more belief in you, and uh, you know right now, uh, you know, I, he was going to be you know I, I think a a strong backup, uh, you know for this club at minimum, um, but yeah. uh, right now what Lucas is showing is that he's uh, you know he's he's a guy that uh, you know that that can be a starter in this league. He looks like the real deal. Uh, you mentioned the new coach, and that is, of course, Greg Cronin. Uh, in that Pittsburgh game, uh, he got chucked after uh, disputing the uh, uh, disputing Ross Johnson's goal, Sam Carrick in the crease, tied up with Eric Carlson. Uh, it didn't seem like he was having a freakout at all, wasn't throwing sticks or you know, launching anything from the bench on the ice. Uh, I don't know if you know what he said, but Eric, do you know what he said <laughs> to the referee to get chucked? <laughs> Well, I tell you what, uh, I, I'm not the greatest lip reader in the world, um, but that <laughs> one was pretty clear <laughs> in terms of uh, the few bombs that he let fly. Um, so yeah. yeah, you know, I, and, and I would I would think too that you know refs are generally used to this. Um, I, you know, I know that there's been sort of a memo, you know, to the coaches to you know tone down their act, and, and maybe Greg didn't get it since <laughs> he's a new head coach here, but. <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, you know, I, I, coming out of that though, you know, I, I've got to wonder that, you know, especially with the momentum that, that Anaheim is kind of building that the players maybe even just gained even further newfound appreciation for him, uh, you know, as someone that, that that's going to fight for them, you know, in, in, especially in those times of the games where it could swing either way. Speaking of fight for them, I'm glad you got us there because, you know, for a little while there, it seemed as if every time Anaheim played Arizona, Arizona did that, roughed them up, pushed them around, kicked sand in the face, um, and took their per diem and and went home, regardless of of who won the game. Uh, That's changed now. And we saw this last game with Ross Johnson going right at Liam O'Brien. We are doing this. 
And tonight, the Anaheim Ducks will once again face off against the Arizona Coyotes, where once upon a time, you had to watch L.A. play Anaheim because they were really rough hockey games. Now it seems as if the roughest hockey games are played between Arizona and Anaheim, and it seems as if there is a real change of attitude now with the Ducks. Eric, your thought on that one? Yeah, you know what? It's something how, as you saw, you know, alluded to it, you know, last year that there really seems to be some real enmity between the two teams, uh, you know, that's really yeah. built up, uh, which is interesting given, you know, both of them are, are really just trying to come out of rebuild and whatnot. But, you know, that, that's yeah. one of the things that uh, Pat Verbeek really wanted to change uh, in this offseason, what was, you know, the feeling that, the Ducks were being pushed around, uh, that uh, they weren't particularly hard to play against, that, um, you know, maybe you could take some liberties against their, you know, their, their top players. And, and we know that the top players on this club are young and, and have bright futures, um, you know, and, and, and could do some stuff in this league for a long time. Yep. Um, and so that's why they claim, you know, Ross Johnson. That's, you know, that's why they're, that they're bringing, you know, in, you know, some, more competitive, maybe tough about, you know, signing a Radko Gudis. Um, you know, it's, it, it's yep. not just about, you know, throwing big hits on the ice or, you know, just starting fights just to, you know, you know, present some sort of example, you know, to teams or whatsoever. It's also kind of, you know, protecting, protecting the Trevor Zewis's of the world, protecting the, now the Pavel Mentyakov, the Troy Terry's, the, Jamie Drysdale and whatnot, um, you know, I mean, uh, Pat really went about kind of changing, you know, that was one of the elements of changing the culture, so to speak. Well, that, that's one of them is, is the notion that they're going to protect their guys. Can you, um, can you help settle a, not a bet, but can you help settle a conversation uh, for me? So I've been having a, a back and forth with uh, someone over DM about the Anaheim Ducks and one thing specifically. Now, I'm of the belief that the next captain of this team is going to be Mason McTavish. This person that I'm in this discussion, let's just call it with, maintains that it'll be Troy Terry. Do you want to settle this right now, Eric? Who is it going to be? <laughs> well, am I allowed to be wrong? Um, are, are there going to be receipts held here if I am wrong? <laughs> no, this is no. You know what? This is this is going to be classic media. Where if it's right, we'll brag about it, and if it's wrong, then it'll be never be it'll never be spoken of again. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's how it works here. <laughs> um, you know, at, at, there was a time. This is how I feel. There was a time where I, I, I really, I mean, hell, there was a, there was a time where I felt Cam Fowler was going to be it. Be it. Um, uh, and, and I thought Troy Terry, um, you know, could, could, could be the guy, you know, just because of his nature. He's very well-spoken. I mean, he can break down things with yep. you. He's just excellent with the media. Uh, and he's, and he's, wear, he's, he's one where he, he's wearing an A, uh, you know, permanently this year. I know they don't have a captain, obviously, but, you know, he, he's wearing yep. an A. But, I, I've, I've, I'd say within the last six months, a year ago, I, I've really come around to the belief and the thought that it's going to be Mason uh, ultimately. Um, and it's just a, a matter of just letting him get older, um, you know, let, letting him really put more of his stamp on this club. I, I think he kind of personifies the, you know, what Pat wants in 
you know, a player for the Anaheim Ducks. Um, and we know his history, obviously, with Team Canada and, and his leadership skills. Yep. And, and, I mean, you're seeing it in his play right now, uh, you know, in terms of he's really continuing to emerge as one of the leading forces on this club here. Um, and so yep. uh, you, you're right in the sense that it's going to be either of those two. I firmly believe that. I'm leaning toward Mason. But we'll see. Let's hope we are right, Eric. Uh, let me ask you about one more thing before I let you go here. And it, it's impossible to have a conversation right now about the Anaheim Ducks uh, without bringing up one name, and it is still the quietest nine goals to kick off the season. I mean, no one's talking. We made, and rightfully so, a big deal about Alex Debrinket, but Frank Fertrano with nine goals here at November the 1st. I mean, we've always known he's had a great shot. Like, that's been evident since the first time we saw Frank Vetrano. But now he's finding the back of the net with consistency for Anaheim. Your thoughts on Frank? Nine goal Vetrano to kick off the season. Don't we all want to be on that kind of heater that he's on? No <laughs> kidding. In, in other no parts kidding. of our lives? No life? kidding. <laughs> Um, you know what the difference that I'm seeing here is? Yeah, obviously, obviously he's finishing uh, more, and, and he's not going to shoot 27% all year. I mean, let's you know, let's let, let's be clear. Um, but but we've always known, like this, he's got the great shot. He's a volume shooter. I think yep. what I'm seeing the difference with him is that he's getting into areas now to where that shot. Um, really is a potent weapon in terms of scoring. He, he, he's not, it's not just mm. shooting from 30 feet off the rush, you know, you know coming down the you know, right flank or, or, or left flank or whatsoever. Right. It, it, I, I, you know, he's getting those shots off between the circles um, or deep within the circles. Um, he's getting a couple of breakaways. I mean, we saw, you know, he, he won a game recently, you know, in overtime. So I think it's where he's getting those shots now. Um, you know, if, as, you know, if you're 15, 20 feet, you know, or less, as opposed to 30 feet, and you've got the shot that he has, you're going to beat goalies. Yeah. And so I think that's where really the difference is thus far, you know, in terms of this blazing start that, that he's off. Is it's just he's, he's, getting, he's getting it off in much more advantageous areas. He's finding his ice. Uh, he's finding his ice. Uh, listen, always appreciate it. Uh, Iceman Cometh is the Twitter handle. It is such a great one. I'm so jealous I didn't nab that one. That is so good, Eric. Um, <laughs> the great Eric now. Stevens has been my guest. Uh, it's it's so good. Trade, trademark Eric Stevens. Trademark Eric Stevens. Thanks, pal. We'll, uh, we'll check back soon. Always great, Jeff. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. The great Eric Stevens. Iceman Cometh uh, is the name on Twitter. Uh, covers the Anaheim Ducks, covers Los Angeles Kings for The Athletic, uh, and does excellent, excellent work. All right, some uh, some people to thank for today's offering. Uh, the aforementioned Eric Stevens. Uh, before him, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Greg joins me every Wednesday here for an extended chat. Old MVSW fans will... Uh, appreciate that one. Uh, Eric Francis, uh, encourage you to read his piece at sportsnet.ca that got published yesterday about Craig Conroy freezing contract talks with everybody in Calgary. Flames in action, by the way, tonight against the Dallas Stars, 8.30. You can watch that, 8.30 Eastern. You can watch that one on Sportsnet. One and the great Halle Salvian kicked off the program today. Thanks to Matt Marchese, our supervising producer. Uh, today's show produced by David Siss, board op Lance Kennedy, TV director, the great Jen Rolnick, 
And thanks to you for listening and watching, uh, listening across the Sportsnet Radio Network on podcast or watching on 360. That's it for me today. Back in 22 hours.